Thank God for so many men and women over the years who have devoted themselves to following the sacrificial nature of Christ to bring change and transformation to society. And today we recognize Dr. King's contribution on so many levels. In fact, uh, Dr. King said, Humor, human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. There must be sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. sacrifice. Suffering. Suffering. Struggle. Struggle. Passion and dedication. It's really what I want us to talk about today. Uh, what it takes to bring about transformation in the world around us in a powerful and profound way. And uh, it's interesting, the Bible says that men and women of faith are likened in an analogy to three things. And when you look through scripture, you'll see these parallels drawn with farmers, athletes, and soldiers. And isn't it interesting, men and women of faith aligned with farmers, athletes and soldiers and I kind of thought about what they have in common they all require sacrifice and intentional preparation for purposeful advancement and uh, I believe God really does want us to understand that call in all of our lives not to just exist and have a faith but to learn what it is to live by faith um, you know many would know the story of a man leading a business who felt the call to governor and we're honored to have uh, Governor and First Lady Stitt with us this morning. We want to recognize and say thank you for your faith. You know, regardless of our political views, legislative views, all those conclusions, uh, I just want to say it's so vital that every one of us live our lives in a way that our faith in Christ set the tone for the example that we set in everything that we do. How many of you know none of us are going to get it right all the time? We're all just on a journey trying to find our way. But the more we look to Christ and the more we stand at the foot of the cross, the more we allow God's wisdom to prevail in every one of our lives. And here's the thing, first blank on your card, if you have your card there, I believe it's on, uh, might just be in my notes actually, but none of us uh, were born for our pleasure. I want you to think about that. In the society that we live in, none of us were born for our pleasure. All of us were born for God's purposes. Amen. We really have to discover the purposes of God for the reason uh, that we exist. Uh, and our goal as a church family, you know, each week right now we're focusing on this in these 40 days, first 40 days of the year. And I want to ask you to say it with me in this declaration once again, because these are the five central characteristics, what we believe the character of the king uh, are the expression for us. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. How many of you know we are a church on a mission? We are a church on a mission. Last week I made the announcement and I want to reiterate so that we're all on the same page praying into this because it's significant that we understand a few months ago our leadership team uh, we were made aware of a building that was available in the Choctaw area. We began to pray about what it would be for us to have another service in another location. We began to go and pray over that particular facility. Felt like the Lord was saying, this is right. This is not right now. So we've stepped back from making that move. We're asking God for wisdom, guidance, and direction every step of the way. Um, we do believe that it is part of God's plan for us as a church family to launch another service in another location. 
as we begin to understand more specifically what God has in mind with all of that, some of you are going to sense the call from God to be a part of that particular move. Uh, it's pretty important that we all understand what that's about, and at some point in the future, we'll start having interest meetings for those that feel the call to be a part of that expression. And between now and then, we just ask you to really pray and ultimately to help us to fortify our serve teams so that those who feel called to go at the appropriate time can go and those who feel called to stay can stay. But I want to just invite you and remind you, the connect card and the seat back in front of you is the way we connect with you. Uh, about what's going on, what, you're, what you sense. Maybe you feel the call of God to be a part of a serve team in a specific area, ministry team, whatever that looks like. Just fill out a connect card, indicate what you're interested in, drop it in one of our giving stations, and we'll be back in touch with you pretty shortly. And we really just want to walk forward in everything that God's calling us to. How many know we are a family, church family, on a mission? We're not just gathering to worship weekly. We really are believing God for transformation in our society. And so this year, in the year 2020, we're asking God to give us 20 points of impact. We started looking into this in 2019. 20 points of impact. These are, these are points of impact that are producing societal transformation in some way. We actually have 16 of those now in motion and in place, and we're meeting and talking about those things. Perhaps another service in another location is one of those 20 points of impact, and we'll be talking more about what all those are. But our goal is to see God's kingdom expand in the earth. Can I get an amen in the house? That is the objective, and that's going to require those things that we talked about, sacrifice suffering, struggle, passion, and dedication. So I would invite you, uh, we will do a welcome to the family luncheon on February the 9th, and that's coming very soon. For those of you who feel like God is asking you to step into a part of the Destiny family again, fill out that Connect card and let us walk that out with you, what that really looks like and what, what it is to live our lives in a truly surrendered posture before the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, this third idea in that progression of what it is to be irrationally giving. You know, I want to be known as a generous person. How about you? I don't just want to be known as a person who was giving, but I want to be known as a person who is irrational in my kindness. And this is the important thing for us to understand. Irrationally giving people live consistently generous lives. Irrationally giving people live consistently generous lives. So many times, whether it is a, a tip at a restaurant or a situation that comes up, I have regretted not being generous enough in a situation. Has anyone ever done that before? Later, you thought, man, why didn't I just do a little more, go a little over the top in that situation? Uh, you know, I've, I've regretted that. I have never one time in my life regretted being too generous. When I've been overly generous, I've never later thought, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Because you and I are designed with generosity actually in mind. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance and activates something in us that causes us to learn what generosity is truly all about. So this is an important element for all of us understanding. I met with somebody this last week and we were talking about some of the financial resources that are available on our website. A budget download. Uh, take a look at the overall context in your life, because you, uh, financially speaking, because we all need to understand generosity does not begin at the moment you have an urge to be kind. 
Generosity doesn't begin at the moment that you have an urge to be kind. It's about preparation and context so that in those moments, you're actually able to see that through. So let me ask you, how many of you have ever known what it is to have money problems at time? Anybody here ever have those? We'll just be honest together. It's okay to be honest together. We've, we know what it is at times to have money problems. This is what I want to drive home today as we're talking. More money does not solve money problems. How many of you would like more money to give it a shot and just see if it works? <laughs> but, but honestly, more, more money does not solve money problems. There's a deeper problem that exists, and we have to address the true problem before we're just splashing more money into producing greater problems. The, in the NFL, I looked this up this last week just to reflect on it. Uh, the first year rookie in the NFL, $435,000. How many of you could live with that as a salary? 435,000. Some players in the NFL make 35 million a year. Did you know that within two years of retirement, more than one third of all NFL players file bankruptcy? It's an astonishing statistic. It's even worse for the NBA. Uh, the average NBA player, $7.7 million a season. Within five years of retirement, 60% of NBA players file bankruptcy. I mean, clearly, when we're looking at this, people who have millions of dollars would have no kinds of financial trouble if more money solved money problems. So there's something deeper going on. You and I live in a nation that has more money in the hands of its people than any other nation, yet multiple studies suggest that money problems are the number one contributor to divorce. How is that when we have so much that we drive after so much. There's something going on there that's a deeper issue. There's this law called Parkinson's Law, and it basically says expenses rise to meet income. It's an interesting perspective, but expenses rise to meet income. In other words, the basis of money problems are actually behavioral problems, and that's why more money doesn't address the deeper issue of behavior. We have to address the deeper issue of behavior, and then we start to understand how to more effectively express the generous nature of a loving Savior that's been activated in our lives that we might fulfill everything, come on, that God has called us to fulfill in our world. Consider Consistently generous. Why don't we just be generous with our praise to the Lord our God right now? Consistently generous lives. It's just a lifestyle. It's an attitude. It's a disposition. It's a perspective. Lord, we want to live generous lives. We honor you today, Lord Jesus, for your generous example. This is such an important statement, and it is on your blank, right above Proverbs 10, if you'll notice. But the more self-absorbed we are, the more problematic our lives will be. The more self-absorbed we are, the more problematic our lives will be. So many times we've talked about the idea of religious confusion and what the basis of all that really is. But, you know, I want my, my two daughters to uh, find someone who will make them happy. But the problem with that way of thinking is if I'm trying to help them find someone that will make them happy, I'm not encouraging them to find somebody that they can love. I'm, I'm encouraging them to find somebody that they can use. Because finding somebody who will make me happy doesn't really allow me to love them. It really conditions me to use them. 
So the very concept of this, uh, the basis of, of even constitutionally what we think about the pursuit of happiness and our right in that pursuit, Jesus actually says, bring that to the foot of the cross and lay that down. Because I don't know about you, I've learned. And I'm just telling you from personal experiences, Tracy and I have celebrated 30 years of marriage. I'm so thankful. But how many of you know the first few years of marriage can be very difficult? In the first five years of our marriage, we were seeing uh, counselors. In fact, we were spending time with our pastor, John Stitt, trying to get some assistance in how to walk that out in our, in our marriage relationship. And, and it was very challenging. And you know what I learned through all of that? There's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship, and there's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. What I'm saying is the more self-absorbed we are, the more problematic our lives will be. So the scripture says in Proverbs 10, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. There is an increase that God brings that produces no sorrow, or it doesn't take us into these self-absorbed mindsets when we get this right. In other words, a loving, sacrificial lifestyle converts increase into blessing rather than an increased burden. And so the world's system of materialism is this self-centered, deceptive trap that we have to break free from. And how many of you know God wants you to be free from a materialistic mindset? God wants you to be free from a materialistic mindset so that you can live on a level of life that's more than merely existing. It's about truly living and experiencing and enjoy the goodness of God, the nature of God as you're expressing that into the lives. I want to learn to be a more loving, compassionate, generous, kind person in my everyday life. I want to follow his example and allow that to be activated and awakened within me. And I, I'm just going to, here, here it comes. Are you ready for it? We're talking irrationally giving. I'm a pastor. You know what I'm about to land with you on right now. God has a plan in motion that has existed since ancient biblical days of worship to break materialism off of our lives. That's why giving of tithes and offering have always been a part of worship. Not because God wants to get your money out of you, but he wants to get the love of money out of you so that you're free from a materialistic mindset that will hold you back and keep you captive from everything God's desiring for you to be. We as a church family want to take responsibility for everything that's been entrusted to our care. I was watching as Sister Russell was coming from the, the, uh, the, the prayer team, making her way back to her seat. And I just want to honor one of the matriarchs of the house, 91 years old last week. Happy birthday last week. We love you. She has probably spent more time on her knees than many of us have been alive. I mean, there's been some serious sacrifice that have been made in times past. When this church was this little building down the street, and then they bought these 30 acres of land with the idea that one day there would be a bigger building built, and that was built. And then one day, another building built, and it's been built. And here we are today with so much entrusted to our care. How many believe we ought to be about the business of seeing transformation in society by the power and the love of Jesus Christ with everything that's been placed in our hands? Now, let's understand all that's been placed in our hands, not so that we then can settle in and be self-absorbed, but so that we can begin to stretch out and see what God's desiring us to do. 
Maybe that whole another service, another location is a part of stretching out. It's going to take a lot of our willingness to surrender, sacrifice, love, serve, give, devote ourselves to the purposes of God together with clarity and certainty of what he's asking us to do. And it's important that we take responsibility of that which entrusted our care. But let's be clear, it's much deeper than that. That's true, and that's important, but it's much deeper than that. The Scripture says in Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. It's every time you increase, you come face to face with the reality of, I need to honor God. I want to honor God. I come back to that again and again. Can you imagine all God is willing to entrust our care if he really felt like he could trust us. Let's think about it in these terms. God is our father. We're his sons and daughters. Any good father would never entrust his valuables to his children without first imparting his values to his children. So we need to carry on the values of God so that the kingdom treasures can be transferred into our hands, not for the purpose of self-absorbed use and perspective, but so that the kingdom can continue to expand. How many of you know there are people's lives that are being transformed as a result of our existence as a church family? And we're going to celebrate a few of those uh, stories today as we progress into this, but I just felt this other element that was really important. I've personally just been uh, studying this. Before we celebrate the, the stories that we're going to bring, I want to just share with you something that the Lord's been pointing out to me. And I, I find this really interesting because I'm looking at the year 2020. And folks, I just want to say it is 2020 vision. It is, it is, there, this is a year where God is re, pr, uh, releasing and producing clarity of what his intentions are for the church, where we start to have a clear vision. I believe promises and prayers that have been prayed will begin to materialize right before our eyes with 2020 vision to begin to see it. This is the year of great advancement of the kingdom of God in the earth. I'm prophesying this and declaring it today. Will you receive it? It's very important that we cooperate with the seasons of time. Not all seasons are the same in the kingdom of God. And people have, have labored and prayed and fought spiritual battles so that we can be positioned where we are in the hour that you and I are in today. And I've just been looking at significant seasons of the kingdom being released in the earth, studying and looking over revivals and different things that have taken place in more what would be termed modern day times. But it struck me when I began to realize in Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham with this amazing promise of blessing, saying, you know, you're asking me for a son, but what I'm about to do is make nations come from you. Like, this was amazing. He was about to invoke the kingdom blessing on the planet. This is Genesis 15, one verse after Abram brought tithes to Melchizedek. And it says, after these things, God revealed this promise. I think there's a significant tie-in for us to see there. Then I started looking at when God was giving Solomon all the wisdom and riches that he was going to build the temple in the earth. And do you know what happened in 1 Kings 3? It was interesting as I started evaluating, but this all happened. This promise comes immediately following Solomon's worship and giving. 
And then I thought about it in the New Testament where God used Peter to reveal that now the kingdom of God was going to be broadened beyond the Jews to embrace all of the Gentiles. What a powerful time. What, a, you know, what an amazing shift of what was going on in the earth and the kingdom of God. And Peter actually brought this revelation in the home of a man named Cornelius. Why in the world would God choose Cornelius to have Peter bringing this revelation of such blessing and abundance and provision in his home? And the Bible actually says how in Acts chapter 10 verse 4 your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God in other words Cornelius had the sacrificial worship that was remembered rehearsed and released a blessing to his household as a result now now listen the reason I'm driving at this is because I think it's very important that you hear let the sound of my voice be something deeper than you hear with your natural ears when I say to you, your children will never learn generosity from their buddies. I want my kids to get this. In fact, one of my daughters made a statement to me this week, and I just thought it was over the top. But they said, you know, I'll never date somebody who doesn't tithe because if they don't tithe, then they're not spiritually qualified to lead me. (laughs) I mean, it was a pretty wild statement. I thought, I want you and your husband to come to my church all the days of your life. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that that's an accurate assessment, but I value and appreciate the characteristic that's being communicated. Where did this girl get this idea? She didn't learn it from her buddies. Let's be honest, my girls, everything good, they learn from their mama. (laughs) Truthfully, since our kids won't get this from their buddies, and if tithing and giving and worship sacrificially with our finances has a correlation to releasing something of revelation, how many of you want your kids to get this? Come on, let the kingdom expand in the earth in Jesus' mighty name. 2 Corinthians 9-11 says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a powerful verse of Scripture. In other words, when we are enriched by God and generous like Jesus, the world becomes a better place. The world becomes a better place. So, we believe in celebrating God's presence. Aren't you thankful for God's presence? And we believe God's commissioned us that we would bring God's presence to real life. So, your God's, ple- God's presence to real life, your GP2RL, action point of the week. It's pretty simple. This week, I want to ask you, purpose a family conversation about sacrificially giving as an expression of your worship before the Lord your God. Sit around the table and have a talk. And let me just encourage you. Let, let's, how many of you know what I'm talking about is not just an easy thing to do? Like it requires a, a sacrifice on our part. Uh, this has been something that, you know, we've had to purpose that we're going to struggle into and walk through even when it's difficult to do so. And so maybe that's a good part of the conversation. What we want to talk about isn't always easy to do. I mean, it's really healthy for our kids to hear the sense of struggle in the sound of our voice and not just act like all this faith stuff is easy. Listen, it's one thing to have a faith. It's another thing to live by faith. And living by faith will cost you. So what's happening is as we then expand as a church family, um, lives begin to be changed. So I want to acknowledge today, I want to tell you a story 
guy by the name of Nicholas who came from a broken past trying to survive as young as the age of 12. He had to move in with a friend of his at the age of 12. Um, his friend's dad allowed him to move in, but his friend's dad was also a very known drug dealer. They didn't have a bedroom available, but his friend's dad said he could sleep in the kitchen if he would keep the kitchen clean. So Nicholas did what he had to to survive. He began to build a reputation over the years with a street name that was respected in the drug world. He was called Psycho. Uh, Nicholas sits on the front row to my right in uh, a consistently on a Sunday and he's here uh, on the front row and I just want to say in the drug world they might have called you psycho but in the church world we're going to call you Bishop Psycho <laughs> after multiple felonies multiple chances in the court system Nicholas was facing 25 years to life but he was given the option of another path that would start a six-month rehab program with the Salvation Army and then return to drug court for further consideration uh, when he went to this program, he told me, I was so irritated by all the guys in the program because they were so happy. He said, they said they weren't on drugs, but they had to be on drugs because they were happy. But he realized they weren't. There was something driving a deeper sense of joy than what he was, had yet started to understand. There was this guy, his name was Brad, and he was showing up at this place, and he was inviting these guys, hey, I want you to come to my church. In fact, this guy... Uh, came up a while ago and he pointed out that when our governor was elected he started sending him messages saying hey you need to come to our church can I just tell you invite some people to church <laughs> and so Brad was showing up at this this place these guys in this rehab saying, hey will you come to church I just want to take you guys to church and so Nicholas started going with Brad to church that's how Nicholas got here and uh, and it's just amazing what's happened because Nicholas completed that program ultimately moved in with Brad and Stacia and uh, and they helped really stabilized and established in that next season of his life he wound up getting a job at urban life ministries now does what he loves to do nicholas hoey ministers to and helps broken people that he counsels at the ark with men that are struggling with their addictions and life circumstances uh, he's worked for skyline urban ministry for over a year has been promoted to a supervisory petition uh, position Brad and Stacia say to you, Nicholas, and, and by the way, the reason I'm driving this home about Nicholas is because a few weeks ago, I realized by something somebody had posted that this Saturday is Nicholas's two-year sobriety. Come on. Brad and Stacia say, you're a part of our family. You have a church family that loves you very, very much. Nicholas, you're a role model for so many. We've seen you laugh. We've seen you love. We've seen you cry. Mostly, we've seen you honor God in your life. We see God's good work on you as a son, man, father, brother, uncle, and mostly a friend. We love you. And I just say, Brad and Stacia express our sentiments. I got a couple of pictures that I stole from your Facebook page that we want to put up and just tell you how much we love you and we appreciate you and we stand with you, Nicholas, in this next season of your life. I'm going to ask if you'll come right up here, sir. We're going to send you out to a nice dinner evening to celebrate. Come on, Brad. Just a few guys come and surround this man of God. Father, I just thank you for your anointing that rests upon a man who's come out of bondage that's going to stay there. The same power that brought him out is the same power that will keep him free.
We just pronounce a blessing on his life as he celebrates two years. Thank you, Father. We'll be celebrating 10 years before you know it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Bless you, man. Isn't it great to see Nicholas having been helped now helping others? Isn't that great? Well, I just want to say that's Brad and Stacia's mode. Because Brad and Stacia, they've got a crazy story. Like, Stacia, she's not here, so I'm really going to talk about her. <laughs> she is a seven-time convicted felon. Now going to school to be an alcohol and drug abuse counselor. Um, they are coming close to a decade of sobriety in their life. Come on. We're thanking God. Great advancement in the kingdom. They have, they take people in their home all the time. I keep finding people, they're like, oh, we live at Brad and Stacy. I'm like, man, how many people can you pack into that house? They've had as many as six people in their home at one time just saying, let's really go for it for Jesus. And I don't know what all this is about. You know, in the, in the Bible, it talks about how there's going to be these rewards that happen in heaven and, and, and these mansions that exist. I don't know, Brad. What you and Stacia, what kind of mansion you guys are going to be in. But I would assume it's going to look something a little bit like this. You have that picture of the mansion. That's probably, probably going to be it. So what we're going to do, Brad, we're going to send you to the Waterford overnight to enjoy you and Stacia. Come on. Come on, let's celebrate what Jesus is doing. now to a standing ovation for Jesus. This is all about you, Lord. This is about your kingdom. This is about the advancement of your kingdom, the expansion of your kingdom in our world through our surrendered available lives. we just bring our hearts before you and we thank you for the victorious nature of a risen king who's never known defeat by any enemy he's ever fought that king is in our corner that king is in our lives and I thank you Lord the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within us, activating a champion spirit in our own lives as we learn what it is to love, serve, and give, following the sacrificial nature of Jesus, we will leave the world a better place. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just, just with your eyes closed, your heart open wide, just let him reach deep into your heart stir some things Lord we don't have this all figured out we're all on a journey just trying to find our way if we'll keep
keep our focus on love and we'll consistently see transformation. That begins as we focus on the love of Jesus that has the power to bring transformation into our own lives.